Welcome to Bethesda Broadcast, the podcast of Bethesda Church in Huron, South Dakota. Today we are continuing in our series, Healer of Hearts, as we look at the different steps that it takes to heal our hearts. Today we come to the house cleaning step where we will be talking about the need to confess and be vulnerable. We encourage you to open up your Bibles to Psalm chapter 32 and follow along with Pastor Ron. today because our title is God Heals Our Guiltiness. The truth of the matter is there's nobody in this room that is not guilty. That's what I know. Or outside this room that is not guilty. We are all guilty and deserve God's eternal wrath and judgment and punishment. We are all guilty before God. And apart from his grace, we have no hope. Uh, But praise God for his grace. And as we go through this this morning, I just want to remind us, we've talked about the reality step. Realize we're not God. We've talked about the hope step. Realize that we are powerless in and of ourselves to control ourselves, but we are powerful through God. We talked about the commitment step last week and the indecisiveness that we need to get out of our stuckness through making a commitment to follow Jesus Christ and come under his care and control that my life and my will is under the care and control of Christ. Today, we are talking about the house cleaning step. Anybody like to clean house? I don't. It's not my favorite thing to do. It's not what I look forward to do, but it needs to be done. The house gets dirty, right? So do our hearts. Our hearts get dirty. They need to be cleaned on a regular basis. And so we need to look at this. So how do we do this? Well, we have to openly examine and confess our faults to God, to ourselves, and to someone else that we trust. If we are going to come clean, The opposite is that I hide and I keep secrets in my life, and those secrets keep me sick. They keep me sick. We are as sick as our secrets. We need to open ourselves up to God and say, God, I don't have any secrets. I don't have any skeletons in my closet. I'm not going to deny guilt. I'm not going to minimize my guilt. I'm not going to rationalize my guilt. I'm not going to blame somebody else for my guilt and my problems. God, I'm the one that's at fault. I'm the one that's wrong. I'm the one that needs to change. And it's not somebody else. God, you need to do this to me. This is part of the recovery process. If we're going to let go of guilt and enjoy life, we have to come clean with everything in our lives. Lay it bare before the Lord. How do we get rid of guilt? Well, this step four. The house cleaning is the step for relief. It says in Psalm 32, 1, and you might want to flip your Bible open there. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. There is such a relief in David when he penned those words that, oh, blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven. Who is he talking about? Himself. He had sinned greatly with Bathsheba. He's recognizing the guilt 
and the heaviness and the shame that he brought to God. He's saying, blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven. I've done wrong, but God has forgiven me. He's put it under the blood. He's covered it. Because if you look down later, he says in verse 3, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. He was feeling so much guilt and heaviness, like an elephant sitting on his chest, because of the deep, dark secret of his sin with Bathsheba. And he said, you know what, God, I've got to come clean with it. I've got to come clean. And he says in verse 5, Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up, keep secret, my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave, notice what it says, the guilt of my sin. There's a healing for our guiltiness. We can walk with our head high. We can look people in the eye. We don't have to hide when everything is clean in my life. When I've tried to do everything that God has told me to do. I'm not involved in things that God has forbidden. I'm not involved with speech or action that goes against the character and the law of God. If that is true, I can look in the mirror guiltless because of what God has done for me. It tells us in Romans 3.23, all have sinned, which means we're all guilty and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. What a relief to have the slate wiped clean. Well, let's talk about this for a moment. The reason for this house cleaning step is because of what guilt does to us. Three things, and actually we brought out some of these in talking with Justin and Melissa. Here's the first one. Guilt destroys our confidence. You cannot look people in the eye and you cannot be free about who you are. You heard Justin, he wanted to get out as soon as the service was over, didn't want to interact, didn't want to get beyond the surface because why? He had something in his life he wanted to hide. When we have things in our life we want to hide, we only let people get so close. Destroys our confidence because we have things that we are carrying inside of us that is not right. There is a gnawing effect of guilt. And when we have to push those thoughts constantly out of our mind, it takes a lot of energy. A lot of energy gets used up. What if somebody finds out? What if somebody really knows the truth about me? They may not like me. They may reject me. And they become afraid of other people. I can't imagine how David must have been living in fear after his sin with Bathsheba. What if somebody finds out? And it, it was found out. So it destroys our confidence. It's like a cloud hanging over our head. Secondly, guilt absolutely damages your relationships. It absolutely damages them. I think about Peter in the gospel when Jesus was on trial. And it says in Matthew 26, beginning in verse 69, Peter was sitting out in the courtyard. A servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. He lied. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Now, you know, when you tell a lie, immediately there's a bell that goes off in your head. 
guilt, guilt, guilt. I'm wrong. Then he went out to the gateway. Another girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again. More guilt. And that's what you usually have to do. When you start having secrets, you've got to cover up with another secret, another lie. He denies it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you're one of them, for your accent gives you away. And here's what he does now. Then he begins to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. What did he do? He became angry. That's what guilt does. It makes people angry. Why? they got secrets they're trying to hide. People are trying to get at them. Those secrets, and they're trying to protect them. So there's a sense of anger that comes out when we try to hide. And his guilt caused him to lash out at people in anger. We respond to people in the wrong way. Guilt can make me impatient with people. It can cause me to overreact with anger and explode like a nuclear explosion. We also can, guilt can cause us to spoil people. When we're not doing what we're supposed to do, well, let's go out and buy them a bunch of stuff. And that'll soothe my guilt, the conscience, because I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Uh, I'll indulge them. Parents sometimes are guilty of indulging their children. Why? Because they're guilty that they're not doing the right thing. And so there's a lot of guilt in that. There are a lot of marriage problems today because they are caused oftentimes by things that happen prior to the marriage that a spouse still feels guilty about. And they've brought that guilt into the marriage. And it's causing friction. So guilt does a lot of things to relationships. It damages them. Thirdly, guilt keeps me stuck in the past. Crucial. A couple weeks ago we talked about Living in the past is like driving, looking in the rearview mirror. You're going to end up crashing if you do that. Yes, we do get a perspective and we do need to look in the past, but we don't look at it constantly. We're never going to get ahead. Guilt cannot change the past like worry cannot change the future. It just makes today miserable. There have been psychiatrists that have said Probably 70% of people in the hospital could leave today if they knew how to resolve their guilt. That's powerful. Because when we swallow our guilt, our stomach keeps score. And we don't talk it out to God, to others, and we take it out on ourselves. So how do we do this step of house cleaning? How do we do it? Let me give you four things that we need to do to do house cleaning. And these steps will not happen in my mind in a day or two. Because I'm still working on step one myself. The first one is we need to take a personal moral inventory. Personal moral inventory. This means to go back and are there people that I have wronged? Are there things that I have done wrong? Are there things that I am doing wrong? I have to take a deep personal moral inventory. My family, my personal life, my work, my relationships, my finances. 
Am I willing to look at every area of my life, my will, my thoughts, and take a personal moral inventory, my integrity? That's what we need to do. In Lamentations 3, verse 40, it says this, Let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. Test and examine moral inventory. Here's what it says in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. It means we have to get alone by ourselves. We have to put a time on the calendar to get alone by ourselves. Get a pencil and a notepad and sit down and say, what is wrong with me? What am I guilty of? What have I regretted? What am I remorseful about? What are the faults in my life that need to change? But also do this. Let me caution you. Don't make it all negative. You have some good things in your life too. What are the good things that have happened in your life? Balance it out. When it says examine our ways, it doesn't say just bad ways. So make sure you examine the good and the bad. Don't rush it. You need to be ruthlessly honest with yourself and don't pretend. And I would encourage you to put it in writing. Say why? It forces you to be specific. Don't be general, be specific. Thoughts just entangle themselves when they pass through the lips and the fingertips, somebody said. That's the first thing we need to do. This could take a few weeks. I don't know. You have to figure out that between you and the Lord. Secondly, accept responsibility for my faults. Proverbs 20, 27 says, The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all his innermost parts. The greatest holdup to the healing for my hang-up is me. The greatest holdup to the healing for your hang-up is you. It starts with being honest. Some people say, well, you know what? If I could just change relationships, things would smooth out. Uh, if I could just change jobs, things would be better. If I could just change towns or locations, then everything will be fine. Some people try to move away from their problems only to find that their problems follow them. Because <laughs> you take yourself with you. Don't rationalize. Don't minimize. Don't say it's no big deal. If it's no big deal, why do you still remember it 20 years later? Even if we're 10% at fault, God holds us responsible for the 10%. If we claim to be without sin, the Bible says we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we're going to stop defeating ourselves, we have to stop deceiving ourselves and pretending it's somebody else's fault. So accept responsibility. Thirdly, I ask God for forgiveness. It says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a wonderful house-cleaning verse. He cleanses me from all unrighteousness. Do I deserve it? No. But He cleanses me because of his grace. 
Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sin is covered. And how does he cover our sin with his blood? But you know what else he does? He gives us his righteousness. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And he gives us his righteousness. It's a wonderful thing. Here's how we do not get God's forgiveness. Number one, don't beg. You don't have to beg God to forgive you. He wants to forgive you more than you want to be forgiven. I mean, he just does. That's why he died on the cross. He wants to forgive us. We don't have to beg. Secondly, we don't have to bargain. You don't have to say, God, if you'll just forgive me, I'll never do this again. Chances are you may do it again if it's a weakness in your life. But God will forgive you if you confess it to him. And you are serious about trying to live for the Lord. Thirdly, don't bribe. Don't say, God, if you'll forgive me, I promise to do a bunch of good things. I'll go to church. I'll wash the windows at church. I'll put more money in the offering. God's not interested in that. He doesn't forgive based on what we do other than confessing. He bases his forgiveness on what he has done on the cross for us. There's a story of a lady who was depressed. She had spent several weeks in bed. She had no energy to get out of bed and live anymore. As she shared this story with a pastor, the pastor asked her a question. He said, is there something you really regret in your life? She began to pour out her heart to the pastor. Yes, she said. She said, my husband travels. And she said, when he was gone, I had an affair and I got pregnant and I had an abortion. And she never told her husband about it. The pastor explained to her how Jesus Christ said, I can forgive and I can cleanse you of every sin. She said, it doesn't seem fair. Somebody has got to pay for my sin. He said, Jesus Christ already has. That's the beautiful part. He already has. He died for that sin and every other one you've confessed and committed and the ones you're going to commit. Isaiah 118, look at this verse. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. They they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. (laughs) He washes me clean. That's the ultimate house cleaning that God does in our lives. The fourth thing we need to do is admit my faults to another person. You say, well, why do I need to do that? Well, the scripture says in James 5, 16, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Say, why do I need to drag another person into this? Why can't I just admit it to God? We're only as sick as our secrets. The secrets we hold on to make us sick. And then we have to continue to wear a mask. 
you need to feel free to share. But let me say this. There's some cautions I would give you. Don't share with the wrong person. Say, what do you mean? Who do you tell? Telling the wrong person could be a big problem. So let me give you four things who you should tell. Number one, somebody you trust. It's somebody who can keep a confidence, who is not a gossip, and who has a reputation for keeping a confidence. You need to feel safe with that person. You build a relationship with them. Somebody you trust. Secondly, somebody who understands the value of what you're doing. You're trying to live a clean life before the Lord and want to honor Him with your life. So they understand the value of what you're doing. Thirdly, somebody who is mature enough that they're not going to be shocked at what you tell them. I've been in the ministry long enough and I think I've heard just about everything. So nothing hardly ever shocks me. Um, Somebody who has spiritual maturity and is willing to be your friend, your prayer partner, not your judge. And fourthly, somebody who knows the Lord well enough that they can reflect his forgiveness to you. I think that's important. So you don't have to tell everybody, just somebody. Because there's a healing in that. There's a relief in that. When do you do it? As soon as possible. Don't procrastinate. And then the last thing I say is accept God's forgiveness. It is vital that we accept his forgiveness. The Bible says we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now some of you are probably sitting there thinking, you know, he planned this sermon just for me. No, I didn't. It's for me. It's for every one of us. None of us. The ground is level at the cross. We all need his grace. We all need his forgiveness. We've all done wrong. We're all in the same boat. Even though we are guilty... When we ask for forgiveness and confess our sin, God declares us not guilty if we trust Christ who takes away our sin. In Romans 3.24, we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. How does God forgive? Instantly, freely, and completely. That's how he forgives. Let's bow for a word of prayer. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, let me ask you about the house cleaning step. Are there some things in your life? Have you taken an inventory of each room of your heart? Is there a room? Is there a closet? Is there a drawer? you've not given to God, you've locked it up, you've got a key, 
and you've allowed nobody in there, not even God. It's defeating you. You're living with guilt that is gnawing at the inside of you. And you are living a defeated life. This is your day. This is your moment to come clean with God. Open your heart. Confess your sin. Receive the forgiveness and the grace of God. We had a wonderful testimony this morning with Justin and Melissa. How God is at work. And I'm thankful that we have a church family that did not judge them, but embrace them. We want to do the same for you. Embrace you. Bring people around you who can help you. That's why we're here. That's what I believe the church is all about. If you have a need in your life, you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, this is the day of salvation for you. Would you admit to God you're a sinner? Would you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, paid the penalty for your sin in full, died for your guilt, died for your sin, shed his blood on the cross that you could be forgiven and be given new life in Jesus Christ? I don't know if it's a hurt, a habit, a hang-up, addiction. It doesn't matter. God will remove it from your life. He will bring healing for your guiltiness if you surrender to him. If we can be of service to you, if I can pray for you or another brother or sister in Christ can pray for you, would you please let us know how we can do that? If you don't talk today, call the church office. We're here to minister to you. Let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.